0: This show this distributed by some
1: Welcome to Episode 167 of Texing. Hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how's it going?
0: It's going well. How's it going with you? Not too shabby.
1: So I thought this is really interesting. This is on Hacker News today. Um, basically, Oxford University in the UK. Um, this method called TDCS, where you put uh, like a strap around your head that has electrodes, and Pumps a... Well, let, let me read what they say. TCDS uses electrodes placed on the outside of the head to pass tiny currents across regions of the brain for 20 minutes or so. The currents of 1 to 2 milliamps make it easier for neurons in these brain regions to fire. It's thought that this enhances the making and strengthening of connections involved in learning and memory. The technique is painless. All indications at the moment are that it's safe and the effects can last over a long, over the long term. So what the, what they're saying is, is that, y- for example, your iPad... You could, you could get um, a device that plugs into your iPad, you have this strap on your head, and it basically really enhances your brain power while you're learning. And so the, the whole article is, is the discussion about the legality of this. And is, legality? Is it, Why would well, it be? Legal? Well, because it's like, it, it's, it's a, is it juicing, right? Because it, it, the, from, from the experiments they've done, it's making rather a large difference to people's cognizance.
0: Like how much of a difference?
1: Well, I can't, I can't give you that quantitatively right now. You'd have to go through the article yourself. Did you just, read it? Yeah, I did, yeah. I just read it to you right this second.
0: <laughs> All right. So, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, like, what's the difference between doing that and, say, drinking some coffee? I mean, I know that drinking coffee apparently makes you do, you can think better. I'm think i I'm pretty sure I've read something along well, those this, this doesn't just make you
1: think better. I mean, this, this basically alters your brain for the long term. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it basically alters the strength of the neural connections for the long term.
0: What's the the basis for it being illegal?
1: uh, Well, it's not so much illegal. It's just ethical. Like, Oh,
0: so people have a problem with it.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: What if people have money who who don't have money, can't afford iPads or this device and therefore they're disadvantaged, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who cares? I think it's stupid. It's like, would you,
1: would you do, would you use a device like this?
0: I mean, if it was, uh, I'd have to, if it was, if it was scientifically sound, right, wasn't just some crackpot was, you know, you know, put behind it. Um, And it was scientifically proven and there was no side effects and it was substantial. It wasn't like, well, we have some indication that it may help, Uh, you know, that seems like a waste of time. But if it's like, you know, it doubles your short-term memory and uh, triples the length that you can remember, you know, the number of digits you can remember at, at one time, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: Um, I give- I mean, this is on the uh, Oxford, uh, the University of Oxford website, and um, just reading the, basically, the first couple of paragraphs. The idea of simple, cheap, and widely available device that could boost brain function sounds too good to be true. Yet, promising results in the lab with emerging, with emerging brain stimulation techniques have prompted Oxford neuroscientists to team up with leading ethicists at the university to consider the issue of the new technology and what those what the logic could raise. <laughs> They've
0: teamed up with ethicists. Well, we have a problem with <laughs> Who cares? Shut up. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's so annoying. I don't know. I, I think I, it's cool. I, I would totally
1: use it. I, I mean, I think it's good. It. I don't
0: think there's anything ethically wrong with something like that anymore. There's ethically wrong with like, you know... Lifting weights makes you physically stronger.
1: I'm not going to mention this story to you again. I'm going to start, I'm going to get one of these devices and use it for a year. And then I'm going to crush you on the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you know, that, um, that quote that we've, we've, we've thrown out there once or twice has been kind of funny, which is that it's not, it's not enough to succeed. Your best friend must also fail. Yeah. It turns out that's, that quote is not is not, is not an accurate quote. The hmm. quote is by Gore Vidal. And, it's it's not enough that you must succeed. It's others may fail.
1: Ah, uh-huh.
0: So not just to sell your best friend, but just other people have to fail. That's yeah, all. Yeah, but
1: we have our own version of it. <laughs>
0: right. I like our version better. It's funnier. <laughs> others may fail. It's like, well, I guess there's, this is generally, obviously if you if there's a competition, someone wins, someone else loses, right? So it's just sort of how things work out, right? I mean, you know, a lot of things in life are zero-sum. Not everything's zero-sum, but a lot of things are. But uh, yeah. I don't know. So you're going to crush me with your, 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 your genius. Superior intellect. You know, I was a I was a, um, I was accused by a friend of mine, um, of being the opposite of like the matrix machine. You know, put that matrix machine and it like, you could learn like Kung Fu or quantum physics, which just blast information into your brain. Yeah. He's like, we were talking about the Kaggle interview and he's like, yeah, you're like the reverse of that. Like you just, Put it on their head and just suck out all the information. <laughs> <laughs> My wife used to say that. She's Sadie used to call. It was like she would just say, assume the position. <laughs> it all starts with, "Let me ask you a question." <laughs> <laughs> Travis, the um, CEO of Uber, he's always joking. Whenever I'm up there, he's like, "You know, he'll come." Like sometimes we'll be sitting, a bunch of us will be sitting on kind of late, and um, he may a couple times he. It was like, hey, I got some new information about something. And then I would just start in on asking a million questions, like, here we go. <laughs> here we go. This is never gonna end. Yeah. So anyway, I'm the reverse matrix. I don't know what that machine is they have, but
1: so you yeah. you you'd put off the show for like half an hour to do some, I guess, what was it, research and preparation for the show. So I'm guessing what? you have a lot to talk about, right?
0: Well, okay. So um I hadn't had a chance to do much reading this week because two things. One, you were keeping me up to midnight working on any foo. So, I guess I probably did work a little more this week because we would do like the midnight burning the midnight oil sessions, and we we'll do them next week as well, right yes yeah so so yeah so <laughs> we did, so we would work during the day you know uh, some, but we would also work in the evenings at after dinner, so like from like nine to like i guess we did like nine thirty to like eleven thirty or midnight like a few nights yeah now the problem is the problem was that. Sandy was out of town for like four or five days for a conference. So that means I had the kids all day, and then had to, you know, get them their dinner and put them to bed and all that stuff, which is exhausting. And when you have three little kids, I mean, it's like it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like grease piglets running around. You're trying to get a hold of one of them. <laughs> Come here. Brush you <laughs> your teeth. You put on your pajamas. How many times I told you? You know, they're running around squealing. You're like, you know. And so when you finally get them all. You know, in their pajamas, brush their teeth, gone to the bathroom, give them their last sip of water, read the book, sung them a song. And by the way, there's only one song I know. And stick them into bed. <laughs> I mean, it, you were, you got nothing left, right? I mean, right. you're wiped out. And you're like, hey, so we do any food now? And I'm like, dude, I have not. <laughs> even eaten dinner or taking a shower and I worked I've been working I've been up since six forty five when the kids woke me up and you're I'm like the
1: evil CEO who's pressuring you to work way more like, than you want to work.
0: God You know I'm like because so, like then you're you know you're just like you know all amped up and ready to go and you're like oh, you know let's go come on come on uh so that was exhausting this week. Luckily Sandy just got back this afternoon so this week will be a little easier so that you know I can help her with the kids, but you know, I don't have to take all of it on my own. Um, so yeah, that was, that was why I didn't have much time to do as much reading. So I had printed out a bunch of stuff and it just sat next to my bed and I didn't get a chance to read it.
1: So you did half an hour's preparation before the show, of which you have a lot of stuff to talk about.
0: Well, I just, I just scanned some stuff. I tried to figure out like, what did I read that, um, looked like we could talk about, or was there anything that I could read really quickly? Okay. That would be a good topic. And I found one. Go okay that's rocket and you might like this it's called to-do to-do lists don't work
1: did you read that i
0: did on the harvard business review blog hbr.org what's
1: the what's the what's the gist
0: the gist being that when you have a list of items to-do items you there's 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 well there's several problems one is the paradox of choice um so that you end up when you have too many to-do items, like more than seven, for instance, it's like your, your brain just gives up. It's paralyzed. And um, the other problem is that there's the, you have heterogeneous complexity. So it's like you might have something that might be like, um, it's really simple, it's a task. But another thing is more like a project that's going to take, it actually is, consists of a bunch of tasks and really takes a lot more thought. And that becomes a problem. The second is that you have like these, you know, A priorities and C priorities. Like a C priority might be <clears throat> something like um getting your car a maintenance checkup. You know, um, and it's a C priority, but it's better to get that done earlier than later when it's might be overdue. You know, like it's an emergency. I am my car is all out of oil. Cause then you have you've created a problem for yourself. As another one is a lack of context where it's like, you know, I don't even know how to uh, describe the detail. Basically, just that um, you know, sometimes it's just like it's hard to determine how long something's going to take and what other information you need. It's just like there's a to-do item on your list, but you just don't have all the information there that's going to take. But
1: you it, do- to- it doesn't make sense because I mean, I and many many people in the world use to-do lists and get stuff done.
0: Okay, so- well here I'm going to finish. And the other one was lack of commitment to de- lack of commitment devices. So it's like. Um, it, it, what you end up doing is you end up cherry picking all the, like, the, all the simple tasks that take you like three minutes to do. Yeah. To get the psychological payoff, but you keep putting off the things that you do need to get done that are more complex. I think that's true. Take longer. Yeah. So the, the, the solution. Yeah. That,
1: what's the solution?
0: You know, I'm trying to think if this guy is based on any, um, you know, I'm trying to decide if this guy, I'm, I'm looking and I can't remember if this is based on any scientific researcher. This is just what this guy's opinion is. But that was kind of interesting. He said, what you want to do is put it on a calendar. So you're like, okay, so I have these three items, and they're going to get done on Tuesday. These two items are going to get done. And, at the, and not only that day, but they're going to get done at this time. At two o'clock, I'm doing X. At three o'clock, I'm doing Y. Hmm. So there's sort of a commitment to that time, and you have set a block of time to do that thing. So basically... You know, instead of just have this list of a prioritized list of tasks, you, you put them you put them on a calendar, and you, and you give them a time block to get done, and mm. that's your commitment device. And that makes you think a little harder about how long, how much time you need to get, you need to allocate to get it done. Have you tried it? No, I just read that. I just read. it. <laughs> just I mean, I, I had you know added it to my Instapaper. You know, list of I don't. know, Do you use Instapaper? Uh, no. Yeah, so I had it, you know, you get read later and adds it to a queue that you can print out or read in your, like, your uh, e reader or whatever, your iPad. So um, I had, I've already added it and I remember thinking that would be like a good We talked about that kind of stuff. So I figure it might be worth talking about. But I want to ask you about, I mean, you you started using, um, what was that? Um, I was using Nosby and Nosby. Uh,
1: Nosby from uh, Michael Sluinsky. Swinsky, I was getting the name wrong. Monica it's, Swinsky. It's, a getting, it's a getting things done. <laughs> yeah. Product, um right? so I, I was using I was using Nosby and I was using it pretty effectively for a while, but then I just stopped using it and after three months. Actually this brings up an interesting thing. I decided after I think about two months, maybe three months, okay, I'm not gonna use this anymore. I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of this. I'd entered a few uh, a few uh projects and different uh ideas that I was going to potentially do for Plugio. So I had some data in there, right? So I went to the cancel screen and in the cancel screen, it said, no problem, cancel now and we'll stop charging you and your account will be completely deleted and all your data will be lost. What do you think about that? So I was, I was like, oh God, you know what? I just, I don't want to lose all my data because I've got some data in here.
0: <laughs> you are dead to us. So I'm like... <laughs> You were? Did you see, I never saw this, but I remember Sandy described to me once the show Joe Schmo.
1: I haven't seen it. No, I haven't heard of it.
0: So it was one of these, you know, the reality shows where this guy thinks he's in a reality show where you have to do all these kind of crazy things. You like these sort of um, challenges. Mm. And some are really disgusting or really weird. And, but the only real contestant is this one guy. He's Joe Schmo. Everyone else is an actor. And they're just trying to figure out how far they can push him and what they can get him to do. And it's really funny because everyone is in on the joke except for him. (laughs) (laughs) And I think a lot of it is just really over the top, you know, to be funny. But how
1: does this relate to what I just said? I'm getting
0: to it. I think this show was on like five years ago or something like that. And and when they would kick someone off the island, which would always be another actor. Or not off the island or out of the house or whatever it was. It's like Big Brother. They would throw this dish with like your name on it into the fireplace, and you're dead to us. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was so funny. I mean, I don't even know if they did that. I, I just that's that's what I picture in my mind. I think that's what Sandy told me, and I think like, that is great. So that's what that's what Nosby was going to do to you. They were just going to throw your dish into the fireplace. And-
1: it's what they do. I mean, that basically that's what they do. So it, and I, I mean. <laughs> I, I'm like in two minds about it. In one sense, I'm like, that's kind of a brilliant way of keeping people as customers because then what I decided to do was I'm like, Oh God, I'd, I've entered like 40 to do items in there. I really don't want to lose it. So, okay, I'm not going to cancel right now. So then I didn't use Nosby and I completely forgot about it for another three months. And then I'm went back in and I thought, I'm got to cancel this. I went to the same page and then I was like, oh no, I've still got this 40 item. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And then I just thought, right, sod this, I'm just gonna cancel it. So I just canceled it and deleted everything. But what do you but think there's no way to Did- export your data? Well, there probably is, but it's a pain, right? It's just a pain. It's annoying. I want to cancel this right now. I don't want to have to go back to some other screen and export all my data. I just want to stop payments happening. So basically, I'm guessing that he earned Yeah, he will he earned an extra thirty bucks from me at least.
0: I think you know what reminds me? It reminds me of that girl that you want to break you like you're in college or something or you're young and you, and, you, and you go you know i just don't think it's working out and she throws a fit right she's like i don't we can never talk to each other. i don't ever want to see you again i'm gonna delete you know all the information i'm gonna throw away all your pictures just like whoa is that you know and you're like okay well maybe we don't have to break up because she's just like losing it <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you back off and three months later you're like alright this is it it's really over now <laughs> and she throws okay, well, up and so like, what Ar-. do you
1: think what do you think of that strategy do you think that's the right thing to do yeah think...
0: that's the uh, that's no no the but f- what
1: what, what I'm saying is do you, do you agree do you do you think that ethically it's okay for that for Nosby to do that or do you think that well, that's sad?
0: if if I mind guessing they probably del- they probably allow you to delete your data to export your data mm-hmm. in which case it's fine they can say hey export your data you know obviously we're not going to keep it on our servers
1: but they don't say anywhere on that cancel screen, export your, you know. Don't worry, you can export your data.
0: <laughs> they just kind of freak you out about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, if you can export your data, there's nothing that, I don't know, that's kind of borderline, I guess. Let I'm, me
1: rephrase the question. Would you put that in your software as a service app? Would you have a, a screen that said, okay, you can cancel subscription payments, but if you cancel, we're going to delete your entire account?
0: Well... I don't know. I mean, you'd have to explain to them that their that their information that their account is being closed, right? <laughs> you can't just tell them make they come back and say, "Oh, I I didn't realize that you were closing my account. I thought I just was going to stop paying." <laughs> I mean, I guess they're just being clear about that. But are you saying would if 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 it was easy if the if it was if the option to export their data was available, would I remind them of that on their cancellation page?
1: I'm saying, would you even yes. do it? Like 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 plugio when you cancel you don't lose your account you don't lose your settings you don't lose anything it's, it's there and then you can log in to the freemium version again and keep using it and then you can upgrade again at some stage in the future
0: well that's assuming you have a freemium version Nasby doesn't have a freemium right
1: <sighs> i guess yeah that's true
0: right so if you don't have a freemium version i mean they got to be honest it look you know <laughs> it's over between us <laughs> Yeah, but they could at least
1: keep the data on there so that you could, like, you know, come and sign up again in a few months. Anyway, Oh,
0: see, I think that's ridiculous to expect to cancel a service and for for them to expect – for you to expect them to just kind of host it on their server and take up space just in case someday you might return.
1: Oh, the massive amount of space that 40 to-do items takes – well, I can imagine I'm, it takes up at least 2K.
0: <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, it's not about data. It's just not about managing a bunch of data, but I mean, I just think it's sort of like they shouldn't have to, to manage your crap once you're gone and you've closed your account. I mean, in fact, you might not really want them to have it anymore. Yeah, fair enough. I, don't know. I mean, if you break up with a girl, do you expect her to still be like staying single in case you come back to her one day and want to go out again? It's over, buddy. Called the shot.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Just to keep extending. My life doesn't technology. work that way. My my ex girlfriend was uh, was bridesmaid at my wedding. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I guess so. That's the world you live in. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. You know. We're just. always hold. always keep your data in case you ever come back.
1: All right. So uh, have you got? Have you got one?
0: Well, a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, one I was um listening to um, stars for the rest of us. Rob Walling. And Mike Tabor's uh, podcast, which we'd recommend. So we're going, oh, we should tell people, remind people, the uh, MicroConf is coming up. MicroConf 2012 is going to be on Monday, April 30th through Tuesday, May 1st. So two days. And it's going to be at the Hard Rock Hotel, which And is we're cool. going to be there. We're going to be there. We're going to have another uh, um, awesome texting dinner. Oh, the last
1: texting dinner was very, very cool. And we had that that was the one where we had the major discussion about any food and yeah well
0: that was our huge brainstorm we had like a, it was like a three-hour dinner and yeah it was a giant brainstorming session and it was a ton of fun we had i don't know how many was there maybe eight yeah about that text- yeah eight or ten people coming and going too mm-hmm. but this year i was looking at you know a peldi from balsamic is gonna be there
1: finally gonna meet him
0: after he's gonna be there he's been on our show Oh, yeah, great. couple times. Rob Walling, of course, who's been, has the record of being on our show four times. So that's Patrick. three people on our show. Who?
1: So that's three people who've been on our show Every so far.
0: Every person who's going to be there who hasn't been on our show, at least to confirmed guess, is and John, and we should maybe get him on the show.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, and he he was supposed to be on the show.
0: Yeah, we just didn't. He agreed to come on. We just never got We around. didn't follow it up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's a blast. I I've, I I'd like to get... You know some of our texting listeners to show up because it would be fun to meet more of them and hang out and have some have another big you know three I mean, hour. dinner. And-
1: <laughs> it's an important conference. I mean, it's it's very very useful if you, if you are an entrepreneur, especially if you're a bootstrapping entrepreneur, it's fantastic to make connections. It's great to form uh, potential joint ventures, potential partnerships. Microconf, I, I highly recommend it. And although we can't give out the code yet. Um, we will be able to give out the code in a few weeks where you will be able to get um, $100 off the price. So we'll probably start putting that at the top and of the show. And the price is
0: only like $600. It's $599, right? Yeah. So it's a relatively inexpensive conference.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, you know, it was upgraded. Last year was at the Riviera, which is sort of like a, you know, this is a so-so hotel. It wasn't that great, but the Hard Rock Hotel is pretty slick. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Much better, um, much better venue. So it's One of the best yeah.
1: things we did last year.
0: That was a blast. That was a good, good time. So I guess we're well, gonna hey, drive hey, again together, right?
1: Hey, hey, yeah, oh, yeah, we'll drive together. But here's a question: If we haven't launched any foo <laughs> by <not> the time, <laughs> by the time the show, is, no, like, I'm wh- not
0: even gonna go if we haven't launched any. There's no way I wouldn't even show. Up. I wouldn't show my face.
1: Yeah, I think I feel the same. It would just be way too embarrassing. No, it'd be beyond embarrassing.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the thing I was when I was listening to that show. Two things. Um, so. Rob actually called my name out, which was I got a little name check. He, oh, he I, did. Mike is coming to Pasadena. So he's like, yeah, to get to hook up with Jason. He's in Pasadena. So uh, that was funny. I'm like, I'm going to drive in my car and listen to it. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and then uh, they, they were talking about his, the thing he wrote, he wrote an article or a blog post about the, um, the Hittail acquisition. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, it did really well. It didn't pin it. And I was like, on Hacker News, and I was like, that's my <laughs> term, <turn>, buddy.
1: <laughs> hey, that, I don't think that's your, that's our No, jointer. dude.
0: Come on. Come on. Can we have a listener could go back to the show where I introduced the terms, pinning it, ringing the bell?
1: Oh, I don't I can, think that's so. That's a personal
0: trademark on that, buddy.
1: I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe.
0: <laughs> so, um, But the one thing they were, they were talking about the show, which is really good, is, is um, their uh, iTunes reviews, of which mm-hmm. they have 75.
1: How did they do that?
0: Seventy five I think it was seventy something. And they were talking about how much that helps um pull in new listeners. And I looked at ours. We only got forty four.
1: We need some reviews. What's the deal? We have like a thousand people listening. In fact, fifteen hundred.
0: We have like fifteen hundred now.
1: And we don't we only have forty reviews. Forty four.
0: So let's let's do a friendly competition. We need to get we need to get up over seventy five.
1: Yeah. This is this is
0: it's help us push past Startups for the rest of us. Give us get us up to like 80, 90 reviews.
1: Yeah, this is this. Is, it's not a friendly competition. I, I don't think it should be friendly. It should you know, be it's pretty serious.
0: Cutthroat. Yeah. <laughs> I want to show up. I want to show up to MicroCoff and just, you know, we'll just put it in his face. Oh, that would be hey, awesome. Buddy.
1: Please. 200 reviews, please. Let's get 200.
0: <laughs> Unless, of course, it's a negative review, in which case we don't want them. So, yeah. Right. No reviews. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. It was it was funny. I I read through like maybe a dozen of the reviews. Um, part of me didn't want to read them. I was like going to wince. I, they were five star, but I was just waiting for like the criticisms. It's like I can't read these. What our
1: <laughs> but, reviews or the, or this?
0: Our reviews. All right. Right. I mean, why would I care what the reviews are? for the rest of us. You know? <laughs> yeah,
1: because you just you your previous sentence was "start us over." The rest of us had seventy five reviews, and then you said, "I started reading through the reviews."
0: Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I meant there are reviews for texting. Right, and uh, one of it was like it was. I think it was the only it was the only one that I saw that wasn't a five star review it was a four star review. And it's like, yeah, TechSing is a really really good podcast, except Jason and Justin bicker a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I was like, ah, eh, fair enough. It's just uh, I have a hard time agreeing with you on things. I don't know. It's just that's, sort of, that's I think
1: that's the good thing about the show. I guess it's just
0: it's just it's just uh, how it is. So um, I had an idea. Yep. Okay. I Shoot. Was- Thing. I was at the park this morning with the kids, and I took along a wire, the latest edition of uh, Wired magazine, and there was an article on uh, Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how Weight Watchers is essentially like—I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it, but the, what I, the gist I got from the um, from the story on it is that it's two things. Like you have, they have like a points thing where you assign a certain number of points to a type of food, and you have like a point total. Yeah. That you just, not exceed, you know, it's, it's all about calorie restriction, you know, just to keep you from overeating. And, um, and the other thing is that you have these regular meetings and I don't know if it's like weekly or monthly where you go in and you, you have to get on the scale before you even cross the threshold. And it's a lot of sort of, you know, talking about tips and, you know, ideas for how to eat better or stick to the plan or count points or whatever. And, and a lot of it is just sort of like support. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it kind of reminds me of like a mastermind group, right? Except where a mastermind group doesn't have a set schedule like points. I wonder if you could do that where you had like, um, you, you assign points to doing certain tasks, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you have to do this, so that's five points and that's 10 points or something. Or maybe if you even did a bunch of startups, we're all going to start at the same time. Kind of like how these, these startup accelerators, like Y Combinator start. And it's like, you have a weekly meeting, but there are, you get points for doing certain things.
1: Mm. You know, I think that'd be cool. I mean, our, the mastermind that I was part of um, just kind of fell apart because, I don't know. It's, I guess for me, the first session that we had the, the advice that everyone came back the feedback that everyone came back with about plugio took me about a year to implement <laughs> right? and so then i'm turning up every week and it's like okay well i don't really have too much else to say because i'm still working on that other thing that we said the first time you know so it's sort what of was like it? you know it's just all the all the stuff you know all, all around the time when plugio did its big turnaround and went for its 300 percent growth and all that I mean, stuff.
0: What was, it was a, was a marketing stuff. Was the yeah, part? It,
1: was, it was exactly. It was marketing. It was the, all the user journeys. Um,
0: so they didn't break it into smaller smaller tasks. It was just one gigantic.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know, this is, you, you need to kind of re envision how Plugio was presented to people when they hit the site and that, that kind of thing. What yeah. if you
0: had broken it down in the mastermind session to like, okay, so that sounds like that's a 10 part plan. What's part one? you know, and then you, that's like a month long project or something. And you'll update on a weekly basis on, on the progress and that. I mean, why yeah, didn't I that- think
1: that probably, I think that probably would have been good. I think it probably would have been good, but they, I mean, also everyone else sort of needs to be on the same page and doing something like that as well. But it, se- it sort of seemed to be that as you know, by the time we'd got around the group once or twice, it, people didn't really have reason to be saying stuff anymore because they were working on, the stuff that had been discussed.
0: Like I'm working on it. That was the Yeah, Exactly.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. And that that was my feeling about it. And a couple of people were stragglers, you know, who, who didn't turn up. And then that was kind of annoying. Like when people don't turn up, then it kind of kills the vibe. And it's like, well, hold on. If they're not turning up, does that mean this is a waste of time?
0: Yeah. It's like, it's like a commitment. I mean, how, how, um, well, you know, that's why I always find out. I always sort of do not recommend that people, when they want to start working out, find a workout partner because as soon as that person quits, then you kind of quit. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, Oh, I can't go. You know, I kind of sprained my ankle or I got a dentist appointment or like, you know, I didn't sleep much last night. I really can't go today. And then, you know, that gives you an excuse not to go. Yeah. And, uh, I I don't know. I was like, you got to just find it in yourself to, uh, to do it, and um, or, or if you have the money, the best, of course, is having a, a personal trainer who's there waiting for you. <laughs> you already paid for it, and the guy or girl, whatever, she's sitting there, and you, you know, you have an hour, hour and a half session, and they're just sitting there tapping their foot waiting for you. So you got to show up, and they're going to just bust your butt the whole time, and not let you hurt, not let you off the hook.
1: Hey, that I got w- some news for you. Um, this month, um, so far, I guess, and I started about a week into the month. Stripe has processed $234.95 worth of uh, Plugio signups.
0: Nice. Not too shabby. And any problems, any no. issues, Any All anything?
1: Good. All good. And it it's just sweeps the money into your bank account once a day.
0: Once a day, yeah. But from seven days prior. there's a seven-day. That's old.
1: right, yeah. Seven-day, yeah.
0: So we're going to have um, the founders, the Stripe founders, at least one, if not two. There's two brothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we're interviewing them on Wednesday, right?
1: Yeah, I'd love to know how, they, how, how you do something like this, because that, for, for even for what we're doing, which isn't involving payments, there's a lot of kind of red tape and legalities involved. I imagine that with something like Stripe, it would be that times by 10.
0: Well, it's a good thing we're talking to them on Wednesday then, all right? Cool. Because you, you can ask all those questions and more. Yeah. Um, so I had a, um interesting uh, quote actually it was, like I said, that's an African proverb my, that my wife told me that she, uh, I don't know, should I call her my wife or Sandy? Uh, what's, what's, I say Sandy. Sandy yeah, people don't know. You say talking. Sandy a lot. So, yeah, okay. so, I so, think about so it. she got back from this um, conference. She's a, uh, she's a president elect for the Pasadena Junior League and it's like a, you know, what, I don't know, like three or 400 person or uh, I guess it's all women um, uh, volunteer organization. They raise a lot of money for charities and do a bunch of charitable stuff. So she's, Off at this um, because she's president elect. She spends about every quarter. She flies all the president elects from all the junior leagues and all the cities in the country. Go and fly to these conferences, and they do a bunch of leadership training workshops. Mm -hmm. You know, to get them ready to like, how do you lead an organization, and uh, how do you you know manage it, and all this kind of stuff. So, one of during one of the talks, um, the speaker gave this um, really good uh, talk about engaging your um, your membership. And he said, there's an old um, African proverb, which says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Hmm. And I was like, and I'm like, that's good. Hmm. <laughs> so Sandy's actually going to use that within her, uh, within her theme for her year. Um, go far to go together or something like that. And I was like, you know, that's actually really useful in startups, right? Because it's like, I tend to like to go alone on things sometimes cuz i just feel like i can go fast cuz i just don't want to deal with any of the overhead mm-hmm. but the reality is if you want to build something big you really need more people
1: right it's so it's 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 great to hear you say that i mean it's a it's a very important point which um, is
0: ironic cuz you're cut <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: i did I mean, that you didn't get that email
1: so we've been work you know we have been working on anyfoo uh, quite a lot this week uh, this this past week and we've been i guess Sort of semi-shared programming, but what what we've been doing is we've been um, coming together online and sharing our screens, but not necessarily working on the same thing. So it's like we're in the same room, and I think that's helped you not to surf Hacker News and to focus on uh, any food, if, I, if I'm correct, would you say? Well, you no, agree? I
0: mean, I'm, I I don't do a whole lot of screwing around during the day. I mean, I, right. I, I'm working, it's just... Um, I think, I don't know if I've worked any more than I did normal or had the previous few weeks. I think it just made you feel like things are moving because you were a part of it.
1: That's right. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's good.
0: um, It's just, you know, things are always more complicated and take more time than you'd anticipate. There are always edge cases that you have to take care of and the thing you start working going down one, you know, one path and you realize it's not quite right, and then you have to back out and do something a little different. And, you know, you thought something was going to take an hour and a half, and turns out it took six because you, you know had two restarts on it. And, uh, you know, when you're outside that process, you don't see that happening. Right. Yeah. You're just yeah. like, well, why does that form take so long? It's like, well, you know, things change. <laughs> you know, things are different than we anticipated. So, anyway, I, I think it was good that we worked together because, um, I mean, one, I think getting you, sort of emotionally involved at, a, at, a, at a, in the code was good. Because mm-hmm. you were just kind of feeling, I think, disengaged from it <laughs> and frustrated by that. Um, but now that you're working on, on the uh, expertise page, I think that's good because you did a really good job on the scheduler. And there's another piece that you can do. But the... The, the thing I was always hesitant about is that when things are so much in flux and we're all we're working kind of on the same code base and we're kind of stepping all over one another, it's like two cooks in a kitchen, a really small kitchen. Hmm. And we spent all this time, which we, which we did anyway at times, was, was arguing about things that just don't matter, right? Like, do we use jQuery or not, or how do you... How do you format things, all stuff, which are just sort of stupid conversations, and they're frustrating, and they waste a bunch of time. And if we were truly uh, collaborating on all of these pieces, there'd be a lot of that just meta-talk. Not just the like arguing, but just meta-talk. And I wanted to avoid the meta-talk because I, thought, I think it's inefficient. But when you're able to slice off pieces and say, hey, you just go do this piece, we sort of, um, we've defined our interface to it. And then beyond that, it's just like, you know, go do it, whatever.
1: Cool. Well, so, I mean, things are moving along. Um, we are now working on the onboarding process so that um, we can send the link out to our first few experts who will be able to sign up to AnyFoo and enter their details, which includes things like social security number, and we've been working on the encryption systems for that. Jason, let's talk about... Uh, tell well, us a little bit about that.
0: I, I just wanted to uh, frame it uh, just a little bit in terms of our um, our sort of schedule. Yeah. So the the plan is... The the way we can, uh, kind of, have things be able to release something where we're we're getting people involved while still working on it, is to, um, is to release the onboarding process specifically, which is just sort of like a, a wizard, a series of forms that allows an expert to set up everything they need to set up. So that includes their general information. There are payout preference, like do you want to, when you get paid, do you want it to be through a direct deposit or a check or PayPal or whatever. Um, it means collecting your, uh, if you're a U.S. citizen, um, collecting your uh, your W-9 tax information. Because, you know, as a, you know, you are an IRS, um, it's an IRS uh, requirement that we collect that information. If, if, if there's any anticipation that um, the, uh, the expert would make more than $600 in a tax year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, there's, uh, and they're, of course, describing your expertise. So there's all that stuff. And we figure we can roll that out without any of the rest of the site being airtight or even working. And we can have experts starting to pre-register, get their profiles set up, getting some feedback on what worked, what didn't, and... Responding to that, but then also we're getting the rest of the site going because I think it's going to take us a few weeks at least to get a critical mass of, um, of of experts to make it even, you know, usable in the simplest way. It's funny how
1: how each step in the development process is a can of worms in its own right. For example, last week we decided and realized that for the onboarding process we would have to have SSL on the server. And then we thought a little bit deeper into that and realized, well, in fact, people are giving us their social security numbers, so we need to have the highest possible SSL. We need the bar to go green on the left-hand side. So then we need to make a decision about how much we're prepared to spend for that, and it's it's anywhere from 200 to to $1,000 um, to get one of those. And then we just decided to go with the best value option, with, which is StartSSL.com. But my God, you need to be... <laughs> You need to be a verified expert on AnyFoo <laughs> to understand how to use this thing. I mean, we, we, could, we could literally have an AnyFoo expert just about getting an SSL <laughs> certificate. From yeah, start, so, SSL let's, let's,
0: so I agree with that. I mean, and that's exactly why when you're not on the inside of the process, it's easy to get frustrated with things taking longer because on the outside, it seems like something should take two hours. Like, well, why is it so, taking so long to get an SSL certificate? Right? Talk Can't us through the just-
1: steps. Talk us through the steps that it's taken.
0: Okay, yeah. So the first step was we just our discussion, okay, well, what are we gonna get? What kind are we gonna get? Well, first of all, it's like where can we get it? Right? Which SSL right. provider are we gonna use? So you start looking around and then you brought up the idea It's like, well, we want the, the green bar thing, which I didn't I you know, I don't even think I was that aware of that, that even option, which is that in your address bar, if you get what's called an extended validation certificate, you can have the name of your company on the left side. So like you go to GitHub or I don't know, maybe Twitter and some of those, not all sites have it. It'll, it'll have like, you know, GitHub Inc or GitHub LLC. Yeah. Which shows that it's not just that the site has been verified uh, to be, or validated to be owned by the individual whose name is registered on with the domain and all that. It's that you've gone through an extended process of getting, your company's articles of incorporation and um, all your personal identity s- information and and all that. So, and we'll go into that more in a minute, but it's a lot more involved. And but it you- gives
1: you a nice green bar, which makes yeah. people feel very secure about putting in sensitive data.
0: Yeah. So I was a little bit, I mean, I'm still a little skeptical that that makes that big a difference. I think it might make a difference to like 5% of the people, but that's just, me speculating and against you speculating, right? So it's like, you know, you may think it makes a difference of 20%. I think it makes a difference of 5%, but regardless- but can, I decide- just, can
1: I just interject one thing about that? It's, it's not just that. It's like, look, if, if we're going to be the Tiffany's of this type of thing, and then we don't kind of go all out and do it properly, it just doesn't make sense. It's not congruent.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, the question is, is like how many people pay, pay that close attention to it? I mean, maybe it's just me. I'm the kind of person who doesn't pay that close attention to it. To that kind of thing. Um okay. and 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 maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe most people do um pay attention to it. And then when they go and enter uh their personal information, they're looking for that kind of a a signal, that kind right. of a uh, green bar. But um, you know, so but what was interesting about it is well, we wanted to, you know, obviously we don't have a ton of money to spend. Um and I think on the little bit of research that I did, like if, what were some of them like Thought and um, AveraSign? I mean, they, it'd be like $1,000 a year yeah, for a valid, an extended validation certificate. Um, whereas the one we chose, which was Start Start SSL, is that what it is? Start SSL? Mm-hmm. Um, it's $100 a year, but you have to pay for two years. So it's $200 mm. versus a straight SSL, just a basic SSL certificate would be uh, free. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's it's not that big a difference. What's two hundred dollars? But you know, to you and I, it's like, or you and me, it's like two hundred dollars is you know, it's still money. You so know? the
1: way, I mean, the way their system works. First of all, you have to what is it? You validate yourself in the first place with your with your passport and your own information. Yes.
0: Yeah, so the way we did this, we shared the screen, and I went through it because the reason that I thought I should be the one to put my to that I should put my name on it rather than you is because. For some reason, when we when you do the articles of corporation only, it's only one person's name is on it, even though we went through, we both we put both of our names in the um, remember when we filed on biz filings mm-hmm. for the LLC. For some reason, the articles of Incorporation have my name, and I guess they just put the first person's name. Sure. And my address is the address of the company, so I'm the um, I don't know, the designated agent or whatever it's called. So, and your address, you're not going to be living in your location for where you are now for what? Another six months, maybe? Tops. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it didn't make any sense and if your name's an article of corporation, then it could be, it could easily become a more difficult process when they're trying to validate it. And they're like, well, who's Justin Vincent? we have this any fool LLC, but he's not registered and, you know, the dress is changing and he's not the designated agent or whatever it's called. So I, I thought it'd be easier if, if I just did it. We probably run into less problems. And so first thing we had to do is they had to go through this validating validation process for my email. Like they send my email and they email me back and back and forth, which isn't too big a deal. And then they had to, um, then we had to like set up a certificate, you know, like a browser client side certificate, which I've never really done before. So and what then, does that
1: mean? That means that anytime you are on their system, it's you, they know that it's you.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I still don't understand it that well. I mean, basically that's what the impression I got. I have some kind of client side certificate that we had to use Firefox for. Apparently, Chrome doesn't even work for this.
1: Yeah, so it's more it's like it's they're not accepting a simple password, you know, user password login. The the only way they're accepting you is if you have a fully blown um you know, public private key pair. The same way as you do if you're, you know, starting with the app store or something like that developing an app.
0: Yeah, so we had to go through the how process and that took a good hour and a half, right? Yeah. At least maybe more, maybe two two hours of going back and forth. And then after that, before you can even apply for the extended validation certificate, which is you know validating the corporation and your relationship to the corporation, it was you had to do a personal identity validation um you had to send
1: them your pass your passport and um those kind of things I think
0: high resolution digital photos of my passport and the cover and number of pages inside and the front back of my driver's license. And then we had to upload all that stuff. And then I had to do some other things and they call me on the, on my home phone number, which I don't think I entered. I think they had to get that from some external source to see is this the same Jason Roberts? <laughs> <laughs> I, Cause I don't remember putting it. Oh wait, maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe it's on my driver's license. I don't know. Yeah. But so um go through all that. And so that was another, an hour and a half because you know you, you take the the photos and then you got to like scale them down to size, and you, you luckily I had you to help me out with that and so we got that done, and then now we're at stage three, which is like validating the the, the company and part of it that our blocking our, our blocker right now is that we have to get a letter of opinion from an attorney and right. We don't have an attorney. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, I forgot. We haven't finished, have we? We're, st- we're still in the middle of this process. <laughs>
0: I got all the, I think I got all the pieces that listed, like all the things like articles of incorporation and um, I think our bank account uh, information, which I went back and forth with them on that. And so all the documents, I have all the documents here, but the last one is what's called a, a lawyer or attorney's uh, letter of of opinion. And, we, they said we couldn't use a notary and had to be a, you know had to be a real attorney and we don't have one so it's like well what what can we do so the two options we have is either a see if we can find someone we know who's an attorney who wouldn't mind um, you know helping us out for free for five minutes and signing the paperwork and just make, looking under our document the second option is um, actually going and trying to find an attorney. Right. <laughs> Setting up an appointment, and I don't know how much that's going to cost. You know what, five hundred bucks. I don't know. Maybe. I, don't know. I mean, so you can't just call some. Uh, you just can't calling a lawyer up randomly, set up an appointment, and then say, "Hey, I want you to just verify verify this stuff and sign these documents for like free." <laughs> we are not going to do that.
1: So that's one one aspect of the SSL stuff. But then the other thing is is that um, we've also realized that we need to. Well, we're going to need to send out, um, what is it, the 10, what, 1044s, is it? Yeah, okay,
0: well, one thing I wanted to say before that... 1099s, isn't it? Um, Before we get into that, I'll just say, so I think the way we're going to solve that problem is one of my wife's friends is an attorney, and I think think she's agreed to... to to do it for us, so I'm going to forward her the document, and, she, how, and so she can take a quick look at it and say, is this the kind of thing that we can? Wait, I, wait, wait, wait. You think she's agreed? Were you part of the conversation? No. Well, Sandy, <laughs> Sandy said that she, her name's Leah, that Leah agreed that she that she said, yeah, I'll, you know, want you forward me the document. I'll let me take a look at it first, but it shouldn't be a problem. But you know, I don't know if I'm going to have to go, you know, meet her and bring the documents and she do it in person or how we can do this. But yes. anyway, it's not that big a deal, but it's it's a big deal when you're like you're hoping to get this done like in 20 minutes. Yeah. Now it's like getting stuff together and set up an appointment and go, I mean, it's just the, you know, it's a big pain in the butt. Um, but we'll, I think that's how we'll get it knocked out. Hopefully if not, then, you know, we're going to have to go, uh, looking and for an attorney and I uh, set appointment and all that stuff. But that's, that's, that's just the extended validation thing. Um, the next, like you said, is the, um, 1099 stuff. Yeah, 10,
1: 1099 stuff. So basically what we've realized is we we definitely do need people's secure, uh, social security numbers and tax um, IDs on the server, but we obviously don't want them in plain text. So we both had the independent thought that the best way to do this would be through some kind of public-private key um, scheme, and we've worked it out. We're using Open SSL, and I think you've you've coded it right. So what's what's it? Yeah. Look so like?
0: the the idea. Um, see I think we, 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 when we initially talked about it you were thinking like maybe we could store it on some kind of offline database or something right yeah and I had been thinking about it and I thought the idea would be we can store and encrypt it we can encrypt the social security number in the server in the database and we we you know we encrypt it using a public key um, that's you know the public key is in you know some file on our in our database or on our file server um, the another file server, but on the web server we have a, you know with the rest of our settings. Then, the private key is something that we you know we just one of us will have like what TrueCrypt or something on our our own personal. Yeah, computer. well,
1: exactly. Well, on our on our computers we'll have True TrueCrypt with um government level uh security uh, algorithms, and yeah. then when we need to send out the ten ninety nines or do anything relating to payment. We'll open up our local TrueCrypt. We'll enter the key, and then we'll post it across our extended validation SSL yeah. to the server.
0: So yes. the idea is that you go, we go into a, an admin page of ours, and this is all through SSL. And then we just, you know, you know, paste into the uh, text field the um, the private key, and then say, you know, send forms or whatever. And then it'll this script will pull out the information, the encrypted social security numbers and all the other 1099 information, it will decrypt the SSL and then send it through a, a secure, an SSL connection to um, the service that does the form file. Yeah. Uh,
1: is is there any where along that chain that, that's hackable? I mean, for example... I mean, everything
0: the world is hackable, uh, but in terms of like what is possible for us to do, I think that is... Is about as rock solid as you're going to get. I think um, what we're doing is um, everything is done through SSL. Yeah, we'll enter. We we'll do the login door side, or whether entering that stuff. That's all through, you know, SSL extended, you know, certificate, all that but, stuff. We store the private key in TrueCrypt. We're using Open SSL, so we're using like industry standard, you know, encryption, asymmetric encryption. Um, and then we we never store the private key. It only goes through one time through a secure socket connection um, when it uh, sends the stuff through their SSL connection. So yeah, I mean it's rock. But so.
1: what about when the when the script is processing the social security number and it, and it's in RAM?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean <laughs> I don't know. I mean you know it's like <laughs> you know what if uh, you know what if a bomb goes up and blows up the bill? I mean I don't know. I mean it's like any th- things can happen that are. Completely unforeseen, like with the call insurance, acts of God, (laughs) right? You know, I mean, I think there's only uh, there's only so much within reason that is that's even possible, you know. Um, But I think that um, aside from um, some foreign uh, intelligence agency trying to infiltrate our system, (laughs) breaking into our homes (laughs) to get some secure security numbers, I don't think it's going to happen. I think.
1: I mean, I guess the best scenario would be. If we could send encrypted data to the, the you know, the end processor.
0: Well, it is. There's. It's an, It's a, It's SSL. That's. Well, what it, no,
1: no. But what I mean is, the actual social security number that we send down the line is encrypted, and it's well, on it's,
0: them. So I mean, so you're saying it? It never? It is oh, only. Oh yeah. I guess yeah. I mean yeah. I mean it's. It is the, encrypted.
1: Yeah. 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 Sorry, I mean yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's like you're talking about an edge case of just insignificance. So it's, it's secure. It's, okay. that's, it's a good way to make it happen. Everything, nothing gets stored anywhere. Private and public keys are always kept separate. I think we're good. But the other interesting thing, a discussion we had, which I wanted to have online, was where we got our certificate from. So you initially wanted to get it from GoDaddy because you, you've used GoDaddy before. It was inexpensive. It was easy to set up, <laughs> at least for a straight-up sec- certificate. Right, And I argued very strongly against that because I thought, you know, look, number one, I don't want to support GoDaddy after the SOPA fiasco. Um, And, you know, secondly, um, I think a lot of our potential users are going to be very sensitive to that and they're going to feel like I feel about it. And if they see this extended certificate and they actually click on the green bar, it drops down and says a GoDaddy certificate, that might turn some people off. And your feeling was like, listen, that doesn't matter. People are gonna know we're a scrappy startup, that we don't have a lot of money, and they're gonna forgive that because they know, you know, we're Yeah,
1: that's that's what I thought. I mean, because it's the difference. Well, it's not just that, it's the difference it's two things. First of all, go daddy, it's real easy. You just click a button, you get it, you know, they give you a call, they validate you. It's it's much easier than the start SSL crowd. It's ninety-nine dollars for a year versus the two hundred dollars. For two years with the starter SSL, so, so you're saving money and you're saving time. And yeah, as you say, I just thought, well, I really don't think people are going to mind that much, just just for the first year. And then once we've um, gone over the line, we can move to wherever we want. And so,
0: and you still feel that way?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I I don't. I just don't think that it's the kind of thing that people are going to go. Oh my God! You know, your SSL is go, daddy. We're not going to. We're never going to work with you. I just don't think people are going to say that.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it won't make a material difference, but I feel like some people might it might make a difference to them, and I feel like it, it, it makes a difference to me because I feel like what we're saying is that I'm willing to compromise my principles for to save a hundred dollars. That's essentially what I'm saying, which means that that's a pretty squishy principle, right? It's mm-hmm. not like it's not like you know we can. The certificate from anywhere else is going to cost us $20,000, so essentially it's just a no-go or something. It's like, versus free or $100, $200. It's like, well, we can do start SSL and pay 200 for two years, or we can go GoDaddy and pay $100 for one year, and it's a little easier. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, that's essentially compromising your principal to save, your principal to save $100. I mean, the question is, to me, I have a problem with GoDaddy. From from their stance on on SOPA and the, and sort of this this sort of you know I guess slimy way that they tried to wriggle around about it.
1: Oh, but they've changed their opinion now. They're against SOPA.
0: Well, that's what you said, right? Well,
1: that's what they said.
0: <laughs> but that they, but they're not really. I mean, if they're, yeah, just, they're just not. they're just like a slimy politician. That's <clears> just... I mean,
1: the other thing is, I'm just I feel kind of locked into GoDaddy, and I know that there's ways of getting all your domains out, but it's it's painful having a lot of domains in that system and then trying to move them and the headache that that would cause, you know, so I, I don't know.
0: You know. I'd be interested in hearing what our, what our uh, listeners thinks think. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm being, um, overly, uh, sensitive to the issue. Well, um, it
1: could be, it could be the case that you're being over, overly sensitive to this issue and I'm being overly sensitive to the green bar issue. Maybe neither of them are remotely important.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think probably the most important thing is getting the damn thing up. <laughs> That's probably the only thing that really matters whether about anything, but, um, Those are just two interesting sort of, uh, I guess, discussions we had. If
1: you have no idea what AnyFoo is, go to AnyFoo.com and then you can get a uh, top one idea of it there.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Okay. But um, I I think what our plan is, just to sort of finish off the whole AnyFoo segment, is to get get at least our first handful of experts pre-registering this week. That's our goal, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um we'll see. We're getting pretty close. And the onboarding process is getting is getting there. Um, oh, you know, I guess one thing we need to talk about is the encryption of the um of the social security number. Yeah. So we were looking into that, and it turns out like Mcrypt and stuff like that don't do um I get, I think the term is called is called asymmetric encryption where you have a private and public key. Well I did say
1: S I did say open SSL um a couple of minutes ago, but but you go for it.
0: Yeah, I just want to expand on that a little bit. Sure, so, okay, yeah. So if you look at PHP, there's like, I think there's crypt and crypt or something. And, you know, you have one thing that's called hashing. We use hash algorithms like MD5 and Blowfish and things like that, which is a one-way hash, um, which is used for password hashing. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, I guess, I think the term is, is um, symmetric encryption. So you just have like one key. So if you and I know the key, then I can encrypt a message, you can get it, and then you can, you have to have the same key to it. Un- to decrypt it, right? Yeah. But that means we both have to have the same key. Now, asymmetric encryption is where there's a public key that anyone can use to encrypt the data, but it can only be decrypted using a private key. And um, that's, of course, what we need for, um, for the social security uh, encryption, social security number encryption. And I, 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 you know, you, 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 you did a little bit of, I guess, looking around while we were working together, and you said, "Hey, check out OpenSSL." And I, I did a little more research on it just to check and see what people were saying, and indeed, that seemed to be the case. That OpenSSL, SSL, is what you need to use um, in, uh, if you're using PHP to do this type of encryption. Um, and it's, it's really like you know, just three lines, really easy. So <laughs> it's, it's nice that that fell into place. So I got so you- that working.
1: So you've implemented it, awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The only thing I needed to, to finish up is, um, so like when you go back to the form, let's say you hit the back button, you want to go back to the form and you've already encrypted the social security number. Mm. Like how do you display that, right? You don't want to display this crazy encryption number. You want to say something like, you know, this is n- encrypted or something. Mm. And then you want to have to, if you still need to edit it, Let's let's say that you entered your social security number and it encrypted it. And then you go back, you're like, you know what? It turns out I'm going to do this through my LLC. And I want to use, instead of my personal social security number, and I want to use the employer identity number, the EIN, yeah. and enter that. Then you need to be able to go and edit it and change it. But you can't look at the original. You have to start. So anyway, there's a little bit of UI, um, you know, kind of stuff you need to do to make that
1: Would you simple. need the user to enter their password to make that change?
0: to make that change well cuz if you have, you have to get your password in anyway to um
1: yeah i know but someone may have like that i often see this on on kind of banking sites and other sites that are you know when very sensitive data's there so what could happen is you could you could have left an open session and then someone could stumble by the you know on a public computer or Yeah a like when you family. change your password yeah so maybe we should, maybe we should, you know, if you're changing that number, you should require a password confirmation. Hmm. Sorry. Just gave you more work right there. Yeah. Well, see, what
0: I'm still saying this is acting like, why did this, why did this page take you more than two hours? <laughs> because about the 15 other things we just talked about that, you know, all the security things, it's like, and all the UI things that go along with it and all that. That's why it takes 15 hours and not two hours, you know? So did you see, there was a guy who built, Command and Conquer in HTML5 and JavaScript. <laughs> Did you see that? No. That is an amazing uh, demo video of it. Um, I was thinking that might be interesting to get that guy on the show.
1: Yeah. Did you ever well, Command and Conquer? Remember we had that other guy uh, from who built AI War on the show, yeah. and that was a really interesting interview.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that would be interesting? I think so,
1: yeah. I, I think I think we should find the, the, the interesting ones like that. That's That was the nice thing about Kaggle. It was just damn interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, saw, I, I thought he might be someone we're talking to. Maybe we'll send him an email. Um, there's another. There's another um, post. Let's see if I can find it. So this guy, um, his name is uh, Stefan Paternot. I don't know. Um, he started something that's kind of like um, Angel List, but for for movies. Oh yeah, you know what Angel yeah, List yeah. is. Yeah. Right. So what AngelList is for anyone who doesn't know. So it's like you can go on there and register as a, uh, if you're an accredited investor, you can register as an angel investor. And then you can, and if you're a startup looking for money, you can, uh, I think apply. I don't know if you can just register. I think you might have to apply to be allowed in or whatever. But then you can say, hey, we're a startup that does X, Y, and Z. And this is our product so far, this we're trying to raise money for. And it's just a way of sort of matchmaking, Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can raise money on Angelist. And it's become kind of a big deal in the Valley. So this guy um, is um, trying to do something similar with uh, films and how to raise money as an alternative strategy for getting. Was it as a result of Paul Graham's
1: request for startups about let's kill Hollywood?
0: You know, and I wish I could uh, tell you, but I didn't have a chance to read the article. It was one of the articles that I just didn't have a chance to get to are oh, are you,
1: you going to say you mentioned this idea like a year ago or something like that
0: well, i yeah, I guess I kind of did um but I'm not sure if it's exactly the same idea. I mean, I don't think it's exactly the same idea, but it's similar to what I talked about of having yeah. a like, sort of an accelerator, but angelist really is an accelerator, so it's a little different but um so I wouldn't say it was that's the idea I was talking about. I was talking more like a Y combinator for filmmaking as opposed to a angelist. but this guy founded the Globe. You remember the Globe? This is back in like 1998. It was like there was a couple that came, a couple of these IPO'd, these dot coms IPO'd, like EarthWeb and the Globe. The Globe, I think, was a couple guys in college and it was just, it was kind of like a social network or something, mm-hmm. I think. I was thinking, man, it'd be kind of cool to talk to this guy because we could talk to, talk to him about the Globe, like what the hell happened with that thing, right? Is it, I, oh, I was looking, just looking at the webpage. page. A couple guys from Cornell or whatever, and um, they raised some money, and I don't know. I think they IPO'd and a couple of years without any, you know, revenue, and it was like one of these big things, and they made a lot of money, and then the entire thing imploded. So it might be fun to talk to him, and then also talk to him about this, um, you know, angelist idea, and especially Ooh, after get him on. I'd love that.
1: Uh, that sounds awesome. I'd love to talk to him.
0: Yeah, and so it reminded me of another uh, one article that I read this week called. In the title it was a, on techdirt.com it was the title was Hollywood accounting Darth Vader not getting paid because Return of the Jedi still isn't profitable. <laughs> can you believe that? Is that true? Yeah, he said he's like he keeps getting um you know, he keeps getting these periodic letters from Lucasfilm saying that they regret to inform him that you know Return of the Jedi still isn't profitable so he'd still just getting residuals. <laughs> How can that be? Well, it's, it, it basically it has to do with the BS accounting of, um, Hollywood, which is the gist of it is that the studios will form a company for our, our, a film project. Okay. And then they, I guess the studio charges them a huge amount of money up front. So they're in debt to the studio for this insane amount of money. And then they get paid back the company the film pays that money back but -hmm. it's more money than the the the, the, i think the the way it works in the accounting is that it's 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 like a sum amount of money that just can't get paid back i mean there's a story about the guy who did um the guy who wrote um forrest gump never Mm -hmm. making any money off of that because it was never in the black
1: it just sucks i mean this this whole um request for startups kill hollywood thing i was thinking about that and there was quite a few posts going around on Hacker News, and the type of thing that people were saying was, okay, you should you know, create something like Y Combinator where you vet the ideas and you bring the ideas in, you develop the ideas. But I, I don't know whether that's the, the right way. I mean, the thing, the thing about that is it's kind of like tech people trying to fix Hollywood. It sort of makes more sense to me that people should work with people in Hollywood <laughs> and basically work with those people to build a better Hollywood, like a tech version, as it were, rather than just creating some Y Combinator tech concept?
0: I don't know. You know, a lot of times what happens is that incumbent industries are essentially, have too much vested in the current infrastructure. And they don't want to change. They want to make money the way they've been making money. And that comes from players all up and down the strata of the system, okay? Because when things change, a lot of people lose out, and you know you, you can you can understand why they're trying to hold on for dear life, especially people who are making a lot of money. Um, and those and I remember in uh, the, the trading industry when I was back in '98, and and there was a first bit of uh, of uh, con- I had a few conversations with some people about the. Um, you know, all these trading floors where you have, you know, actual people yelling out quotes and trading manually. And I remember telling the telling people that this is all gonna go electronic, that Europe was already there and people were just like, You're crazy, it'll never happen. And and people resisted it. And, you know, these or because, you know, in Chicago, for instance, the the Chicago Board of Trade the Chicago Board Options Exchange and stuff, I mean, they this is just massive um institutions with you know, all the brokerage firms and trading firms and everything. I mean, it's just, you know, Billions and billions of dollars are invested in that system, and it took an outside, an exchange, um, which was the inter, the ISC, or the International Securities Exchange, to come in and a new group of people to destroy it and replace it with an all-electronic platform. It's just like, you know, it's like, you know, saying, well, Amazon really can't come in and fix, you know, the booksellers. They need to work with Borders and Barnes & Noble. No, they came in and basically destroyed them. They did it. You know, it's. Just, I think it usually comes out an outside.
1: Yeah, but but have they destroyed the publishers? And I, I think this is the point I'm making. Even in the analogy that you're you're giving, right? Um, all the same traders were working; they were just working in a different way. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so th- all, all they did was they just kind of put in a little part that changed the way that everyone linked together, everyone networked.
0: Yeah. yeah so I think what a, I think what could happen is. I mean, you're not going to go and replace the actors and the directors and the writers and the grips and the gaffers and whatever, right? The DPs, all those people are needed to make films. But it's the studios and the way studios do business and the way all of the sort of the business people, the way they finance projects and control projects and do all that stuff, that could be changed, right? Well, but those you still- people aren't critical. Those people aren't critical aren't as essential to the movie-making process as the actors and writers and directors and creatives and technical people. Those well, people I, are
1: essential. I mean, the, the but but a, a large chunk of those people are essential. Like, for example, the producers, the people who get the food in, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, to me, it's like it seems like it's only the money and the company that isn't essential, but pretty much everyone else is essential.
0: Right. Well, so the studios, right, and that's what I'm saying, but those are the pieces, those are the individual pieces. So you can almost think of like Amazon replaced the distribution channel and it distributed and it it replaced sort of the organization of how, you know, like all the books go here and this is where you find them and buy them. And the books were still essential and the writers were still essential. And up to this point, the publishers have still been essential. The editors are essential, but this whole, um, you know, these, these, these bookstores themselves and the and the and the corporations that run them turn out not to be as essential. And it may turn out that the publishers may not be essential. It may turn out just need the editors and writers <laughs> are essential. And then Amazon.com. That may turn out to be, you know, partially true. And I'm just thinking that in the case of um and this isn't something I've spent a lot of time thinking about, so I apologize if this idea isn't, you know, that strongly put together. But um I'm thinking that you could replace over time, the way the studio system works, the way, the way projects are discovered, the way they're financed, the way, you know, that all happens. That if it's, if it's a more, uh, more of a fluid um, system, then maybe it's more like you, you have lower budget stuff that can get seen and get some financing and give visibility like this angel um, list kind of concept. I mean, there could be a lot of things like that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of thing that they're talking about evolution. I mean, this is like a 20- 30-year evolution at the very least. This I'm like thinking you could happen.
1: even do something like Kaggle, you know, where, well, certainly for the, because it's sort of the the script discovery and the script development process, which is a, a pretty key part of it, right? And that could almost be done like a Kaggle-style competition. People submitting scripts and vetting scripts and basically, I don't know, someone, someone could put it like in the same way as with Kaggle. You can, you can, Put uh, host a competition, right? So you, I guess, a production company could host a competition for for scripts. You know, or oh,
0: like you know what you could do, like script fixing. So here's yeah. a concept. How, you know, having like you could do it in phases. So yeah. phase one is we want an outline of the script. Like, what are the characters? How do they evolve? What are the plot points? You know, who, what's the yeah. best structure? And then you go phase two, and then it's another competition to filling out different pieces of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, sort of moves move stuff up through that system, and then you're going to need to then have another another system about getting in financing and funding. But I don't know whether it can all be done under one site. Is the question? I don't know.
0: No, it, I don't know if you have. to. I don't, I don't think anyone's necessarily suggesting that. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's just like all of startups and startup technology. Uh, you know, the whole startup process doesn't happen through one site, right? There are startup accelerators, there are things like AngelList, there are things like Hacker News. I mean, there's all these different resources and things that are happening on the web. The web is just allowing people to collaborate in new and innovative ways, in more efficient ways.
1: I feel like Hollywood's already being killed, you know, by, by the Pirate Bay and
0: by they've Netflix. They've made more money year over year than they ever have. I mean, just, they've made tons of money over the oh, years. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, um, so what's I, the problem? Yeah, I mean, you know, they're just—I uh, mean, I think they've—they've they've lost potential revenue in certain ways, but they keep—they made more money year after year. I believe. I believe. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that. Someone could correct me in the, you know, the comments. But I'm reading some. Steve Blank had something on his site about that. Um, about how he wrote something about how they fought the VCR. They thought people using VCRs to record stuff and never and you know never go see movies again. And then they fought DVDs and they fought this and they fought that. And but yet after every new generation of technology that scared the crap out of them, they they made yet more money.
1: <laughs> the Pirate so. Bay had a great uh, wet, their kind of public announcement about SOPA. They said something really interesting, which was that Hollywood itself movies wanted to start, you know, they they wanted to start the movie business in New York, but because, was it Edison had the IP on um, the camera that they couldn't uh, do it there? So they moved to California to do it so that they could evade the IP laws. So they themselves, the entire industry is based on them evading IP restrictions, which I yeah. thought was very interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, people are always trying to evade, you know, onerous... Yeah, but these these are the guys behind SOPA, right? So
1: so they're pushing SOPA and trying to completely shut down the internet. But their whole industry is based on them evading IP laws.
0: Okay, I mean you know that's true, but of course it's not the same people, right? I mean, no, I know, I know. Dead. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> um, and I don't think I don't think that a lot of these people in the movie business were thinking that they're going to shut down the internet. I mean, I don't, from there, I don't think that was any of their intention. They're not thinking, we're going to shut this internet down and everyone's just going to have to go to movies and cable and, you know, broadcast TV. I think they were trying to come up with some kind of mechanism or the people who were in charge of the industry association, the people running that, you know, and, and interfacing with or with the people writing the laws, the lobbyists essentially were trying to come up with mechanisms that would allow them to enforce their IP, um, rights, but, hey,
1: hey! I, I remember um, like a few episodes back, and you were you were vlogging about and also talking about the fact that the only way we we're going to tackle these guys is we need to put money into government. But then we we had this outlier occurrence happen. What do you think about that? That, that yeah, yeah. You know, I, I
0: meant to bring this up, but we really, yeah. I don't know why this hasn't come up. Yeah, you know. So a couple things. Um, first of all, you're right. I did not anticipate this asymmetric atta- um, strategy. And it worked. Um, so I, I'll give it that. So I was wrong in the sense that there is another strategy that can work, which is 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 getting the people involved, getting a large mass of people.
1: Mm-hmm. Lo- lots of people, yeah. And,
0: and, 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 and doing it without spending money. So it turns out you can do that. Um, <laughs> and I was very pleasantly surprised to be proven wrong in – that way however um the the thing is is this is just one battle this there's an entire war going on
1: this is an old you won't be able to motivate all those those websites to do that same thing every time this bill resurfaces in different forms
0: but guess what those lobbyists are doing right now (laughs) what do you think they're doing
1: I think they're going through and reformulating another bill and spending money and going to this going Talk to the
0: politicians same- and, and and hosting funding fundraisers and and having lunches and dinners with politicians and we stra- didn't get them this thing-
1: time Chuck but we're sure going to get them next time Doesn't
0: matter. I mean they'll just they'll sneak it into another bill. They're because they're going to be paid to do it, right? That's the problem when against am, you know a sort of amateur run volunteer organization versus paid because the paid people are paid. They show up every day. They get paid to do it. Right? They don't need motivation, their motivation is they get paid. It's their job. Everybody else has to get like all riled up about it but there's only so many times that people can get riled up about stuff. you know a certain amount of time has to pass for them to get riled up again, so everybody gets a real riled up about pippa and SOPA for a month, but then they just get bored of it. I mean, there's only so much time you can stay irate mm-hmm. and then it just sort of subsides and you know in the in the interim, something else can happen um and that's why it's hard to fight money over time. Money has a consistency. And I think, you know, I, you know, I, Rob Wong, actually said this in the startup, one of us, uh, the startup, the rest of us podcast recently, he goes, um, he said there was a quote, I can't remember what it was, it's like, it's easy to be great, but it's, it's hard to be consistent. Yeah. And because it has to do with motivation, you know, it's easy to make this big. There was, there was a great moment when SOPA got, um, shoved back in the face but it's really really hard to maintain that now have you heard of acta
1: yeah I, I have but but remind me
0: so acta let me see if i can find the other um side i have too many tabs open here and i can't I don't even know if i can even find it yeah it says i'll just read it what it says because it, it probably can describe it much better than i could it says um <clears throat> acta is an international trade agreement currently being negotiated by the European Union, the United States, Japan, Canada, South Korea, Australia, as well as a few others, whose aim is to enforce copyright and tackle counterfeit goods, hence its acronym, Anti-Counterfeiting Trade Agreement. The main problem with this treaty is that all the negotiations are done secretly. Leaked documents show that one of the the major goals of the treaty is to force signatory countries into implementing anti-file sharing policies under the form of three-strike schemes and net filtering practices, okay, mm. which has a lot in common with SOPA. So the mm. net filtering process is the same thing. Like you're making ISPs responsible for what their um, users are doing, and and we and along those lines, you could make sites wouldn't be a stretch. So rather than rather than so now these or these the MPAA and these other you know um, organizations are putting money into treaties and trying to push it through an international treaty that goes through a much less transparent process. And then if we become a signatory, then it could be a kind of a situation where it just kind of happens and nobody even realized what just happened.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, now there was a, um, I was going to bring this up in another context, but since we're talking about it, I'll bring this up real quick. It says um, there was an article about it that said that um a, a European, a Parliament fish official in charge of ACTA quits and denounces the masquerade behind ACTA. So, this guy was essentially someone hired by the European Parliament to um, essentially do a due diligence, sort of almost seemed like kind of like an inspector general hmm. type of of a, of a, of a, of a um, um, capacity where they came in and just said, "Right, what's going on in this process? And is everything being done on the up and up? And whatsoever And he basically just quit and basically said the entire thing is a masquerade that it's completely been subverted. And it's just an absolute, um, I don't
1: know. But that doesn't make front page news, right? That's just buried somewhere. That's like a sub note.
0: Yeah. So I'm trying to, I have a link to it on the site, but it was sort of like, you know, something that came up on, um, I don't know. It wasn't on the front page of something. And even if it wasn't Reuters or, or, or AP or something, I mean, it wasn't like something that most people hear about. Yeah. No one, no one notices. And it was in the European union. I mean, it's the kind of thing that I mean the U S people don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. You know, we're sort of like we're really U.S. focused. I mean, people don't. We don't. And part of the reason it's not that we don't care or wouldn't care; it's just that our news doesn't cover it.
1: No, well, especially well, the the news that people watch, like the Fox and the CNN, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, they just ABC News, whatever. I mean, you just get at best a you know a thirty second, 10-second blurb about it. Yeah. Oh, in other news. <laughs> <up> European <laughs> Parliament. Next.
1: In other news, the internet is going to be shut down
0: Yeah, I know when you pay attention to it So, um, <clears throat> I don't know So I have I um, have a new segment I want to introduce Go on It's called the doom and gloom report But oh. it's going to be <laughs> fast I think okay. make a like one minute thing So we got a couple of Funny comments kind Can we of. call
1: it the doom and gloom speed report
0: Yeah, well the, good, yeah, the doom and gloom report will be like Do you ever watch? um uh, do you ever watch the daily show? Uh, yeah. Stewart. Yeah. I mean, I watch, I don't really watch it that much. I do watch it differently once in a while, but it's one thing it does They'll have like a one minute of Zen or one minute of bliss or something where they'll show something ridiculous or whatever. And I kind of was thinking about that a little bit, but I thought maybe what I'll do is, um, because I don't, like, sometimes we get off topic and we talk about like these foreign policy economics.
1: What prompted you to come up with this new segment?
0: Yeah. So I think that stuff, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who think it's interesting, but I've also gotten feedback from people who think that I, I got the impression that we can over it's easy, it's very easy to overdo it because it's not really on topic, right? Right. It's one thing to go into it once in a while. It's another thing to cover it in depth every other show or something. People are like, okay, so is this like a startup tech show or what you know, what 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 are we doing here? So I thought, all right. The 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 thing is though. Unlike, say, indulging some hobby of mine. Like, let's say I wanted to talk about photography all the time. People be like, you know, why are we talking about photography, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is a lot of the stuff are, are, are major, major issues that affect everyone. And that part of me wants to at least alert people. Just put it on your radar. But at the same time, it's not fair to, like, I don't know, force people to, like, listen to 30 minutes of it. Okay. You know? Otherwise people are just going to start. Especially
1: for, especially it's not fair to force me to listen to 30 minutes of it.
0: Yeah. Cause then you get really depressed and <laughs> sad, <laughs> you know? So there's a couple of, a uh, couple of our uh, listeners who made that comment. And one of them was Steve Reynolds. So I'll dedicate this segment to Steve Reynolds. <laughs> see, he said something about, let's see if I can find it. What was it? He goes, um, he goes, uh, Find it. he goes, um, he, he, Following up with something else that he goes, I just skipped the end since I like Jason, the entrepreneur, much better than the doom and gloom Jason, which he brings to the show at times. Smiley face. That's <laughs> like, fair enough. I think I so like. So he just
1: skipped the whole, he skipped through like 30 minutes of the show. He 40 minutes he's like,
0: screw it. <laughs> I don't to listen to this, so fair enough. But if I make it like a minute in length, just read the headline. Yeah. The headlines. Go on, Go on, then. Go on,
1: then. You've been building this up. It better be good.
0: Well, I just want to put in context so people, know, so right. that people don't think. Because I don't want Steve to hit the skip button yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, U.S. falls to 47th in press freedom rankings after Occupy crackdown, which is um, something, um, a, uh, something done by Reporters Without Borders. U.S. is sending the U.S. Enterprise carrier to the Persian Gulf, also known as the Big E, and it's the oldest, uh, I guess, ship in the U.S. Navy. And it has eight Westinghouse A2W nuclear reactors on it. They call it the Floating Chernobyl.
1: Jeez. And it's going to be
0: our third carrier sent to the Persian Gulf.
1: Which is so, near the Strait of Hormuz. Right, the Straits of Hormuz. So ready for a war with Iran.
0: So, yeah, keep an eye on that. Sweet. European Parliament official in charge of Acta So I told you about that one already. Mm-hmm. In order to dodge sanctions, India has reportedly agreed to pay Tehran, which is the capital of Iran, for anyone who's not familiar with that, has agreed to pay Tehran in gold for the oil it buys and and China's is likely to follow. So remember we talked about reserve US dollar's reserve currency? Yeah. Yeah. One of the big problems is when, you know, the reason the US dollar is 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 used is for these massive transactions like oil. So if you're, you know, and it's done in the end, there's a lot of thought that that's a very big deal for the U S as we've talked about India. Uh, I guess Iran, ran oils makes up 13% of India's, um, imported oil and 22% of China's. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Ross, uh, According to former New York City Police Commissioner and Los Angeles Chief William Bratton, the LAP coordinated with CIA on terrorism, which is a big no-no. The CIA is not allowed to be involved in anything domestic. Um, and there was another thing that was talking about the, the court. There was a Supreme Court recently decided that um, the—remember we talked about the FBI? You've read these things. probably not, They show up on Hacker News all the time, but the FBI putting these like um, GPS tracking devices on cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, whether that's illegal, you know, because it's like, you have got a warrant, you're sort of invading their, uh, uh, you're uh, violating their Fourth Amendment um, freedom. And so the court ruled that that was, and unanimously that that was illegal. However, they weren't, they were very much split on the idea of whether the government could spy on you if they didn't put something physically on you. And that is the doom and gloom report.
1: <laughs> Remember how D- John Devorak used to have the tech five, and it was just like five minutes of tech. You could have five minutes of uh, doom and gloom. Five minutes of doom. <laughs> Jason Roberts, slit your wrist five.
0: <laughs> five minutes. The uh, <laughs> Yeah, the floating Chernor- Chernobyl coming to the Straits of Hormuz.
1: Well, I think we have come to the end, or certainly the very near the end of this show. Do you have anything you'd like to... Uh, yeah. Finish yeah. The show with? So
0: I, I I wanna I want to to something positive.
1: Okay. Awesome.
0: I hate I hate leaving you on a down note because you get you get you know depressed.
1: We don't, I don't want you to be depressed. You can't leave me on a down note because as soon as this show finishes, I'm gonna go back to AnyFu and finish off that uh, input form which I was in the middle of working on.
0: Yeah, so I'm actually going to talk about wow. an AnyFu thing. Oh, great. So <clears throat> um I got an email from a listener. Um who was interested in potentially being an expert. Um, Mikhail. McHale, do you have the name? You remember the name? You wrote it down. I forwarded the email. Do you remember the full name? Uh, no. No, anyway. So, and one thing he said was, which was kind of interesting, because I, I, he said he was excited about the idea, and, and, and I said, hey, listen. Um, actually, he didn't email about being uh, an expert. I think he was just saying he, thought he liked the idea, and I said, listen, you know, would you be interested in being an expert? Because I looked at his profile and he had, he's done a lot of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. He he knows some, he knows some stuff and he's published a lot of articles. So it's easy to demonstrate that he's an expert in some of this stuff. And um, he was like, yeah, I'd I'd be excited to do that. It sounds great. He's like, he's like, the only thing is I'm not sure I'd be a really good candidate um, because I have a a full-time job that I really like. And, you know, and I, he's like, you know, I'd imagine that uh, the experts are going to be like full-time consultants. And I think, and I thought that's a fundamental misunderstanding that I, I want to clarify. Because I think that the majority, the vast majority of people who are going to be experts are going to be people with full-time jobs. Um, because it's just going to be kind of something that people will do here and there, right? Couple At first, it'll start like, hey, I got something last month for a couple hours. And then maybe they'll do a few times a month. And, you know, if they want to, right? And I would... Equate it to kind of Airbnb. So Airbnb started out, and even for the first few years, I think a lot of people who were putting like their maybe their second home or condo or flat or whatever onto Airbnb, they'd only do it like when they were going out of town for some extended period of time, or it was maybe between you know maybe they're subletting some place out and they had a, a week or something that was unavailable. That was un. And it you know, was uninhabited, so they could, <clears throat> they could make some money. But then after a time, they realized, hey, you know, using Airbnb, we can make a lot of money doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think with AnyFoo, it's the same kind of thing. I think it's going to start out, because the demand's not going to be there at first, right? And it's going to take a while, just like it does with Airbnb, just like with any marketplace, it's going to take a while for that demand to ramp up. But, and so even if somebody was all excited about do, using AnyFoo, as a major income source will it will be disappointed because it's gonna take some time to get the demand there. But what'll happen is as the demand rises, um, people who who are otherwise occupied either full-time jobs or with um you know full-time consulting contracts might say, Hey, you know what? You know, I used to do this thing like once a month, and now then it was a cut once a week, and then it was like three or four times a week. And it's like now it's looking towards I could do this like a couple times a day. And I'm making more money in less time and having more fun being an expert on any food than I am doing this other stuff.
1: Now that's awesome. Now that is good news.
0: Yeah, and I think so. I think that I'm hoping that um, some of our listeners who are who might be interested in this and who are an expert in something, any kind of narrow narrow thing, it doesn't have to be like an you're an expert in C plus You could know be an expert in one library or one sort of system maybe you're an expert maybe you spent a ton of time setting up um a google app engine pro- um, project project you're, and you're pretty much an expert on that it, but that's really yeah right you're not an expert on anything else that's fine right mm-hmm. and um i think those people could be um really useful even, and, and, and like i said and if they even have a full-time job and they would only be want to do it like once a month or something or whatever i mean that's this people still be really useful because occasionally someone's going to come along and say they need help with some very esoteric language or platform or technology Let's and, say
1: let's say you work for google right would I mean would you be allowed to put yourself on any foo with the kind of terms and services that Google would have
0: uh probably because you know you're, you're you're not really writing code you're just helping someone you're just giving them advice right you're helping them troubleshoot a problem I mean because you' the kind of things that people might do it for would be like. You know, just a just couple off the top of my head would be troubleshooting a problem, right? Optimizing yeah. some SQL queries, Set up, setting up a project on Google App Engine. Um, maybe you want to do an iPhone project and you want to talk to someone who's an expert iPhone developer and and have them give you some guidance on what you should do and how you should approach the problem, right?
1: Yeah, like for example, Titanium, even getting Hello World on Titanium is like ridiculously difficult. It Like someone could make a living just through helping people install titanium and getting hello world.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Or just navigating the setting up as a develop, your developer uh, becoming a developer on Apple, right. And getting that, all that stuff going.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, it, I mean, how much would you, I mean, you remember that being a real painful process, right? Yeah, it was. was I mean, how much you have paid if someone could say, well, this is, you know, it might take you like four or five hours. I can spend 20 minutes on the phone and we can just do a whole thing. You'd be like done. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So I think talking to someone on the phone, giving them advice, um you know, giving them strategy advice, giving them you know troubleshooting solving problems, i don't know all that kind of stuff i mean it 's hard to even enumerate them because there can be so many different- <laughs> imagine
1: if your like your expertise was just to walk people through the Apple sign up process and you got like three calls a day you 're like pick up the phone it 's like okay, first click this thing, second <laughs> click this thing, third click this thing, hundred bucks thanks bye next yeah. call, okay, first click this thing, second click. <laughs> I mean, well, that would know, be kind of boring.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, because well, a lot of them are going to be different. <laughs> I mean, maybe. But the thing is that um, it, if, if you're really good at it, you can charge a lot of money. Right. In which you could probably do it in a very short amount of time. And so you can make, say, I can help you through this. You can, you can sweat through it and spend two or three days, a few hours a day being really frustrated. Or I can help you in a half hour. <laughs> no, you could charge three hundred bucks an hour, four hundred bucks an hour, or something, and people would gladly pay it. I mean, think of all the times that you were struggling with stuff, and you finally just got through to someone who cut in tech support for, and they just solved it for you in fifteen minutes. You're just like, oh my god, you know, yeah. just such a relief. So, anyway, I, I don't want to be going on about it, but I just thought it was interesting about the idea of foo where it starts off kind of like this sort of random, you know, part not even part time, just this thing you do every once in a while, but that can grow into something as the demand on the site grows, it could grow into something that's more like a, a part-time and then even a full-time thing.
1: So I like it. Think that's that? good news. That's a great way to end the show. Love yeah. it.
0: All right. So, uh, back on any Well, actually not back. on. we've been on it all the time. So we'll be working hard on it tomorrow. So the plan is that we're this going this week to, this week. We're going to, Oh, and I just wanted to, for specific, specific about the plan, I think what we're going to do is we're going to get like three or three to five, of our close friends who are experts to go through it and 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 so, if there's any real major potholes, it's a good friend who falls in the pothole. We get those five say people through, and then we send out to another ten and then after that we'll we'll go from there and try and ramp it up and try and get it to like you know, okay, let's try and get a hundred people on or fifty to a hundred and which will be hopefully you know, some listeners listeners to the show, people on our Google plus and Twitter followers, things like that so so by the way, if you are um if you think you might be interested in, in being an expert and uh, you'd like to be one of what we call the original experts are or OEs <laughs> like an original an OE uh, and with a really low user ID number, like ID number 17 um, definitely uh, send us an email and, and let us know and we will put you on the short list and get you on right away. Cause we not only, um, you know, we, well anyway, I'll just say we could really, we'd really appreciate it. We really need some, uh, some people who are willing to help us out and, 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 uh, you know, set up their profile and then give us some quick feedback on what worked and what wasn't so clear or whatever.
1: Just before we sign off, I would like to remind listeners, uh, please do review us on iTunes. It would be so awesome if we could absolutely get at least a hundred reviews. That would be absolutely awesome. Thank you very much.
0: So anything else to add or is that it?
1: No, that's it. That's, that's been a, a good show. And, um, I'm looking forward to our upcoming interview with Stripe. So,
0: All right, that's a wrap. We're out.